Welcome back to the Technology in Worship podcast. I'm your host, Eric Coleman, and I'm here with my good buddy, Benji Satorius. Today, we're going to talk everything as far as it relates to building systems and processes to recruiting and training volunteers. So whether you're in a small church or a big church, building systems is very important, especially if you want your volunteers to be good at what they're doing. You want them to feel that they know what they're talking about and know the equipment. And so building these systems, whether that's the same system in multiple venues or multiple campuses or checklists and all this stuff, having these processes in place really sets your volunteers up for success. And that's really what we want to do. Eric, since you have multiple venues within your campus, can you talk a little bit about how you put together a system where volunteers can be successful, whether they go from one venue to another? Yeah, sure. I am not going to claim that I have the most efficient model for this yet, but I am definitely working toward that. And one of the things that we've been implementing now is some information sheets slash checklists for each individual system. So we now have a QR code at most of our systems in which you scan the QR code and it takes you to a instructional guide for how to use that system. And it's broken down into the same sections for each location and venue that we're using. That was a, that, that was a brilliant idea, by the way, that I stole from you. Oh, thank you so it, much. It was awesome. Yes. Yeah, so any volunteer or really anyone could walk into one of our uh, production booths and they could scan the QR code, pull up a website, and on that website they can just follow the instructions basically to turn the system on, get it up and running so that they could play a video or whatever they need to do or just uh, have a microphone for amplification, uh, including you know, both text pictures. And in some cases I've started to add like video tutorials. So you can get it all in one place for that specific venue that you're in. Um, That's been working out really well. Another thing that I've been doing as far as building better systems is just to make our systems more uniform. So outside of just having a, a uniform checklist kind of format where they go to this website through the QR code, follow the instructions. I'm really working to set up systems that are so similar that they're indistinguishable from room to room other than sometimes there's a few different pieces of equipment doing different functions, but hopefully they all can do the same types of things. So when someone says, hey, I want to do a live stream from this room, it's ready to go versus having to pull a bunch of pieces together. And also it's ready to go in a way that our volunteers have used it before in a different room. But now maybe this is on a smaller scale or a bigger scale, depending on the room that they're used to working in. And that gives them an opportunity to be successful Um, so that's just, those are two of the ways that 
we're implementing systems. Um, is there something else that you can think of, Benji, that you're doing? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in having unified systems anytime you have a room with audio, video, and lighting in it. So in our main campus, we've got our main worship center. We've got a youth room, and then we have our kids' room. And so all three venues have per presenter seven. The two kids' rooms have the same lighting program, and they also have the exact same sound board, which is a Midas M32. Our main room audio is a CL5, and our new campus is a CL3. So basically the same board minus some faders. So they also use the same lighting program, um, Pro Presenter 7, and all that stuff as well. So the idea is when you train a volunteer in one room, they can also go to another venue or another room or another campus and should be able to pretty close be successful in operating some of the gear there. At least have an idea of how to operate it based on the system set up around it. Right, exactly. So when I came on staff six years ago, basically every venue had a different system except for ProPresenter 6. That was the only system that we had that was the same. So every venue had a different soundboard, different way of controlling lights. Basically everything was different. And so one of my goals when I came on staff is I want to make things as unified as possible. And so I just started putting together budgets and slowly purchasing equipment over time to start getting rid of the old equipment to replace it with the new stuff. And before you know it, now everything is basically the exact same. So it's been great with this unified system to be able to train volunteers across the board. So you might be sitting there listening and thinking, you know, there is no way that I can upgrade the equipment in our children's room or youth room or any room to match what you have in your main sanctuary or worship center. So back two episodes ago, we, we talked about budgeting and keeping your equipment organized and having a plan and things like that. That's kind of where a lot of this comes from and allows us to be able to pull off some of this stuff. And just because you plan and all these things and you keep things organized doesn't mean that your leadership is going to allow you to go spend you know thousands of dollars to upgrade equipment. But it does show that you care and you're trying and casting vision and things like that. So these upgrades did not happen overnight. It took a lot of time planning, forecasting, vision casting, and all these things and all these steps to be able to put together a plan to say, okay, this is what we want our equipment to be. This is how much it's going to cost. And let's take small steps to purchase this equipment. And then obviously in a couple of years, hopefully you're able to pull that off. And so I get it if you're not able to just go out and buy a new soundboard or a new light board or new wireless mics, things like that. But again, planning, vision, casting, budgeting, taking these small steps can allow you to hopefully start to go this direction. And trust me, once you go this direction, you're not going to look back and say, yeah, there's no like, 
oh man, I wasted my money or I should not have done this or that. I've not thought one time that was a waste of money. It was, why didn't I do this earlier? And this makes our volunteers a lot happier and the whole team happier as well. So, And you can be building. I, I mean, I think the most important part of this conversation is that it really isn't, it's still not about the gear. You can be building a system that's uniform with the existing equipment that you have uh, in your worship facilities already. Um, yeah, sure, there's some things that you'll need to change out over time to make it more uniform. But really, just get started right now with what you've got and work on processes and workflows that are uniform across the board so that it can be, uh, I guess, just plain old easier to train volunteers and get everyone up to speed, especially when working and scheduling volunteers across multiple venues. Yeah, so a, a good example of that that costs basically no money would be creating a checklist or a spreadsheet of you know an input list and you start distributing that across all your venues or all your campuses. So it gets people in a mindset of, okay, no matter what venue or room or campus I'm in, I need to start doing this checklist or doing this input list. And so things like that starts to build some unity uh, to just cast vision of, okay, this is the direction we're going, and it basically doesn't cost you any money to do any of that. So we talked a little bit about building systems that are uniform across the board in our venues and some ideas for putting that into practice. But another system that's important to build is a recruiting and training system. So what is a system that you've put in place for recruiting new volunteers? Yeah, so recruiting for church tech is uh, pretty difficult. I, uh, I would say probably everybody has struggles, whether you're a small church, large church, anybody in between, you can never have enough volunteers. I have found one of the best ways to get a volunteer is to approach them directly. So you can have as many live announcements from stage or pre-service announcement slides, you know, in the announcement loop. And to my knowledge, they don't work that well. I have not been very successful with either one of those. And so really finding volunteers and approaching them directly is about the best that I have found works. Before I ask a volunteer, I typically will ask somebody else about that person or one of my volunteers will tell me, hey, you know, John Doe over there, he's, he's a computer tech and he'd be great at running ProPresenter. And so I'll look into that person just a little bit just to see, okay, are they attending? Are they attending regularly? Are they volunteering anywhere else? Are they else? involved in anywhere else? Yep. yep. And so after that, then I will approach that person or I'll actually have my volunteer that said that this person would be a good fit. I'd say, why don't you go reach out to them, introduce me, and then I'll talk to them. And so I think that face-to-face -face conversation is the best way to do it, in my opinion. How about you? 
I agree that the face-to-face method and really just kind of reaching out directly face-to-face with someone is a very effective method. I've seen it work uh, personally firsthand here at Harvest as well as in other uh, capacities. Uh, It just really adds that personal touch and it shows that you're interested in the knowledge that that person has and how they could be a very big asset to the production team in your church setting. So another method that we use and put into practice, aside from the personal touch, is we do uh, have a ministry fair for all of our ministries to kind of gather after each of our services. We do this about once a quarter. So each ministry builds like their own booth per se. And they can have fun things out like different candy or uh, like spin the wheel to get this prize kind of things. Just kind of make it lively and make it something engaging so that basically what happens is after each service, everyone is emptying out of the worship center and they come into the foyer and every ministry, including the production ministry, has a booth and you know they get they do get to have that personal connection but it's kind of like a shop for a ministry that i can fit in um so one we just try to make our booth for the worship and production ministry to be engaging so that people will stop by a big part of that is having our volunteers who are currently serving uh encouraging the members and the attenders of our church do you get volunteers that way? Yeah. Do you really? Yeah. We don't. We get volunteers that way. And then what happens is we get their email or their phone number. Yeah. So basically, that's just the first point of contact. It's like, hey, yeah, I'd be interested in this. And then uh, we can give them a call and an email them later on saying like okay so here thank you for stopping by our booth we're so excited that you're interested in serving in this area here are a couple of things that you should know that you probably already learned from us when you stopped by the booth but just to reiterate it and then we go from there so we've we've also done the the ministry fair and i think everybody gets volunteers except the production team so you're not making your you're not making your booth engaging enough. I guess not. I guess uh well, I don't think we really do that anymore, but maybe if we do. And well, here's a question for your ministry fair are are your volunteers out there or is it like an empty table and people are just expected to sign up on a list or how does that work? Usually or are you I, out there? Usually I'm out there. Yeah. Usually, there's usually not very many tables without people. So, but yeah, I'm usually at their production one, but maybe I'm just scary looking. I don't know. I mean, I definitely think there's power in other volunteers pitching it versus the technical lead pitching it. Yep. Do you have an age range for your volunteers on the production team? Oh, that's such a great question. 
so the age range is not necessarily a age range. It is more of a uh, competence range. And do they have reliable transportation? I am the same way. Yeah, so a family volunteers in our production ministry here at Harvest. And this is great. I think this is incredible that the family gets to serve together. And this is a family that I did approach and asked, hey, you know, you're already serving faithfully in this area in a different ministry. Why don't you consider doing this production side of things specifically for the weekend services? And they said, you know what? We need to pray about it, think about it, make sure that we're good to go, finish up these other projects. So a couple weeks later, they're like, yeah, we're full steam ahead. Let's go. Um, Let's go. And what's great is that this family is bringing their 13-year-old son and their 15-year-old daughter. Nice. And they get to serve all together. And it's been incredible. Yeah, yeah. they can't drive. The kids can't drive on their own. Not legally. Uh, to get here. Not legally. It's a competency thing. If they can learn how to operate the equipment and work well as a team, then yeah, full steam ahead. Uh, and if they have reliable transportation, which in this case, they're coming with their dad, so it's already going to be reliable. And they're reliable in the sense that they show up on time, which if, if you're, you're on, on time, you're late. Yeah. So they are showing up early to get ready to make sure that they're fully aware of everything going on. And they come in prepared. They've looked at Planning Center online to see all the notes. It's super great. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, I also don't have really an age range. Uh, and just like you, as long as they're competent and if they can get to church at the correct time, they can serve on my team. So I've got junior hires, multiple junior hires, multiple high schoolers, all the way up to retired people and everybody in between. And so, yeah, the kids, they pick up the learning and all that stuff a lot faster. They're used to, you know, technology and cell phones and computers and things like that. And so, yeah, they're, it's awesome having kids running our service. It's also really encouraging, like you said, to see those who are older running all the technology as well, because I know that that doesn't come always super naturally for them right not like superpower supernaturally but naturally um so it's super cool and encouraging when someone is very teachable even in their older age to learn from someone yeah and it's also really cool to see you know a junior hire or multiple junior hires working with someone in their you know 40s 50s 60s on the same team for that weekend working together to pull off a weekend service. And so, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It's one of the multi-generational uh, service opportunities within the church. Yeah. Because there are a lot of ministries that, you know, definitely want someone who's older, wiser teaching their younger students. Uh, but in this case, they get to work together. Yeah. Just a few weekends ago, I had 
one adult and everybody else was, I think, under the age of 16. And so for a specific weekend. So at that Manuka campus, that was, uh, I believe, five volunteers. So one adult, four kids running that service. And it was it was great. It was a successful service. So kids are awesome to get those kids plugged in. And, you know, you get kids going to church and enjoy going to church makes a big difference. And so if they can use their talents and their gifts for the church, that that's that's a game changer right there. What makes serving so enjoyable is when the team A gets to work together, which is just so much fun, but B, making sure that everyone is trained up and knowledgeable in their areas that they're serving in. But before we get into that, is there any other form that you can think of that you've at least tried out for recruiting volunteers? I know for me, I've also tried just making little social media one-minute videos. I don't know that it was super effective in recruiting as much as it was creating awareness. And those were great because it gave like a one-minute clip snippet of, hey, I'm so-and-so, and I always would use a volunteer who serves in this area, and I enjoy it because of this. You should come sign up, like come serve with us kind of thing. No, I have not done a little mini video recruit thing. Uh, But another thing that I can think of is creating a fun environment for people to serve in. And so... Oh, yeah. I The mini fridge. Yes. I have a stocked mini fridge for all of my volunteers that whenever they're serving, they can go down to our broadcast suite get a nice beverage and just kind of relax. And it's, it's awesome. And so, yeah, I try to always have a smile on my face. I try to never come across that I'm frustrated or upset or anything like that. Always trying to crack jokes, have a good time. You know, obviously there's a time to be serious and to get our job done, but we're there for, you know, three services. And so, it, it can make for a long weekend plus rehearsal, obviously. And so I really try to create a fun environment that everyone enjoys being at. And so I think that's also something that's important. Obviously, that's not how I recruit. I don't say, hey, we have a mini fridge. But, you know, hey, one, it once, might work. It might. Maybe I you won't never try know. But it's one of those things that, you know, after they're on the team, that's part of the perks of like, you know, having a fun environment and, you know, getting a drink and things like that, hanging out. I always um, try to get my team to arrive, you know, a little bit before when they're actually supposed to be there. So if my team is supposed to be there at three o'clock, most of my team arrives around 2.45 or 2.50. And that's not because I tell them to, that's because that's just how they, what time they arrive at, you know, 10, 15 minutes prior to. They're wired for that. Yep. And I'm wired the same way. I hate being late anywhere. Like it stresses me out. It doesn't matter if wherever we're going, 
isn't that big of a deal what time we arrive. If I say I'm coming at, you know, three o'clock, you better believe I'm probably going to roll in at 2.30, 2.45. That's just how I grew up. That's just how I am. And so my team basically does the same thing, which also allows us to have, you know, a fun conversation of, you know, how's your week going? How's work? How's your family? You know, those types of personable conversations before any type of church talk or service talk has even started. And so it kind of just eases everybody into, you know, oh, now it's it's time to start, time to, you know, figure out what's going on for the weekend. Uh, it just kind of slides in and it just makes for a, a more enjoyable weekend. Yeah, one, I mean, you hit on it already, but hospitality is just so huge and anything that we can do to bring that about more so in our production environment is going to be, it's going to go miles. Yep. Um, you mentioned a mini fridge. We also kind of have like some snacks that we bring in every week, um, which really just builds that whole camaraderie among the team. Yep. Um, For sure. So yeah, once we're, once we've built a system that's effective at recruiting more team members, obviously the next step is making sure that everyone is trained well and building a system for that. So one method that we're using that's been working well is pretty much a I do, you watch, uh, you do, I watch, and then you kind of go free. And yeah, that sounds simple, but it's a, it's a series of several weeks where we bring in our volunteers who have shown interest um, and just kind of, all right, so until you tell me you're ready to go or if I feel like you're ready to go and you're just, maybe you're a little scared, but like I can see it in yourself, in you that you're ready to go kind of thing. Like you're just going to watch and observe everything that is going on Maybe I'll give them a smaller responsibility. For instance, we move a stage on and oh, sorry, we move a table on and off our stage. Maybe that is something that one of our newer team members will be in charge of. That way, they have ownership, and hopefully, there's some other smaller tasks along the way as they're learning that uh, we can get them acclimated to. Because really, I'd love everyone to be able to do some of the smaller, uh, less seen things, um, even though they're all super important to making sure that our services are distraction-free so that the gospel can be the main thing. What we do at Mission is a very similar approach as far as you watch, I do, I watch, you do, and then you do. Depending on the skill level of the volunteer, and depending on what area they're serving in, some of those steps can be a lot longer than others. And so, you know, pro presenter, it can be difficult, but in reality, it's really not. It's pushing the space bar at the right time, unless you're automating lyrics. Audio, some of the video stuff, that can take weeks or months of training. And so for audio, we actually do a training like at night, so no one's in the building. We record multi-tracks, play that back through our CL5, and 
that's a great way to get hands-on training and learning and just figuring out, okay, what does this fader do when I move it up and down? Or what does a compressor do? And what does a gate do? And routing. And that's a really good way to do some training. So uh, typically I will have people watch me run sound or run ProPresenter or the video switcher or cameras. And so depending on the skill level, that might be one training, that might be lots of training. I typically have my volunteers serve once a month for the entire weekend. And so we have a Saturday and Sunday service. And so when they serve, they're on for Saturday and they're on for Sunday. And then typically one weekend a month. And so training can actually kind of take a long time, again, depending on the skill level of the volunteer, if they're serving once a month. And so I try to do the at night during the week trainings when we have new volunteers, just to kind of get them up to speed a little bit faster. Again, some people pick up on technology and processes and routings and things like that a little bit faster than others. And so I've trained people that have no sound ability to being able to run sound without me present or cameras or video switcher or pro presenter and all that stuff. And so I've also trained people that know a lot, but yet might not know our system or the way that we mix or the way that we run lyrics and that type of stuff. And so, yeah, just putting all those pieces together really, really helps the volunteer when you can have those training nights and they watch what you do. They may, you might have to do that multiple times and then, you know, let them run. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll let them run a a rehearsal, but then I'll run the service, you know, kind of just getting their feet wet a little bit. And then the next time they're on, they're running the equipment and I am literally right next to them and I don't leave them. And so again, just in case something happens, I'm right there ready to go. And I'm telling them, you know, in their ear, like, you know, turn this up, turn this down, or let's go to this camera, go to that camera or whatever that might be. And so that's a really, in my opinion, effective way for training volunteers, whether they're knowledgeable or not. I still go through those same processes. Yeah, it'd be very difficult not to get someone up and running quicker if they come in knowing a lot, but you also don't want them to negate like knowing the system and learning about the team and how things operate. So we've done some training as well, training nights, but that is definitely one thing that I would like to do more of or even just call them like workshops where it's not even necessarily only for our volunteers, but if there is someone in the church who is interested in that kind of stuff, um, providing just like a workshop, like, hey, we're going to be doing this training for our team, but if you're if you think you might be interested in this kind of thing, come on by. Yeah, maybe it could distract a little bit from the overall meeting, but maybe you'll come out of that with a new volunteer. Um, so that's something that I've been thinking that I'm that I've been starting to implement here in 2022. I also have to give a shout out to MixU. So the guys Ooh. over at MixU, they have uh, a system for training called MixU Now, and so our team is on that. And they've got videos for audio, video, lighting, leadership, all of this type of stuff. And so 
my team is on there. They're watching videos. Some people stay up way too late watching videos. But yeah, it's a, it's a good good training tool. And they're not even paying us to say that. We're a part of the worship ministry school over here at Harvest. So they provide us with training resources uh, that we get to share with our team as well. Nice. They didn't pay me for that advertisement either. Man, keep going. These are all sponsors. These are all future sponsors. Future and so far free, but yeah. One thing that I forgot to mention that we do with our team is I love to grill. I love to grill meat, Ooh. whatever. And so I'll have all You make the- some good grilled wings. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's what I've had. I love to grill wings. But I'll have my whole production team over for hangout night at my house, get some away from the church, away from the building, and just a total relax, hang out, eat some good food, hopefully good food. And um, yeah, it's just a good time to hang out, get to know each other, and just build those relationships. So that's, that's uh, pretty cool too. Eric, as we wrap this episode up, I've got one last question for you. What is... The last piece of gear that you guys got for your production team, big or small, and how did it help your team? Well, this is going to sound kind of silly, but the most recent purchase that I can think of is that we bought a Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3 adapter nice, so that we could use one of our, our Thunderbolt 2 docks that we have laying around here with our uh, more recent MacBooks so that we could use one of our other newer purchases, which we have had this Personas rack-mounted uh, board around here for a couple years now, but it's never been super easy to operate because it's only a digital interface but it is kind of nice having some physical faders from time to time. So we purchased a used piece of Personas hardware that gives us fader control of that rack-mounted unit. So part of making that work was running everything into a Thunderbolt 2 dock, and then we needed the Thunderbolt 2 to Thunderbolt 3 adapter to make everything work with our computer so we could do multi-track recordings or send audio from the computer to the digital mixer. Uh, it's just been pretty cool. And that, now we're kind of awesome. creating our little mobile like recording studio slash live event nice. little cart. So if Apple and Microsoft and Dell... And Black Magic and every single company is listening to this podcast right now. Can you please all just use USB C on all of your devices? That would just make everybody's life so much easier. Well, in this please. case, I'm using legacy hardware. So it kind of makes sense that I need the adapter. Sure. Because it's old. But going forward, please just use. USB-C, please. Until there's a new standard. No. And then... No more new we'll standards. talk about just, this again. <laughs> just USB-C. 
It's actually, so we did not talk about this question ahead of time. This was totally blindside question. And it's really funny you answered that way because my last purchase was a very similar piece of gear, which was the Avid S1 control desk for Pro Tools. We've been mixing our broadcast through Pro Tools the last uh, few months now. And it's basically been a mouse and keyboard and a little... um, nano 2 controller but i just got the s1 dock and it's been awesome so i used that this past weekend and yeah it was it was amazing so that was my last purchase slick yeah so all of you thank you for listening with us and be sure to share and subscribe and please follow us on instagram you can DM us if you have any questions, you've got any tidbits, you want things discussed in future episodes and all that stuff. So uh, thank you for listening and we will see you next Monday. Adios.